Welcome to the Sandbox. Welcome to the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Dave. So we're what, like 10 days away from Christmas? 10 shopping days until Christmas. So Chris, what'd you get me? Well, so first of all, uh -huh. if I got you something, okay. I don't think I could tell you about it. That's kind of <laughs> how this works, right? But second of all, 10 shopping days, mm -hmm. I should probably start. You should start by getting me a Tickle Me Elmo. <laughs> <laughs> Do they even make those things anymore? They sh If they don't, they should. I'm, I'm hearing from Karsten. Yes, Karsten so. saying, yeah. <laughs> they are back this year. Oh, seriously, right. that's terrifying. That's a beautiful, beautiful anyway, thing. Anyway, um, so we are, we actually have an, a live audience today at oh. the moment. You maybe hear some clicking. Um, we have one, an audience of one in the Sandbox Global Headquarters. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we are here with... Uh, Elizabeth, who is uh, from the, the local paper, Rochester uh, Post Bulletin. Yeah. So just one of the ways we've got this article coming up. Uh, we actually, we just found out that we've been invited to participate in a national conference next summer. Um, lots of exciting stuff coming up and we'll be sharing more about that later. But mainly we just wanted to say like, this thing's growing and we're excited that, that you're helping us share this. Yeah. You know what? And the only way that this grows is when you share it, when you introduce it to friends, neighbors, coworkers. Look, if this thing's of value... Let other people know about it. If they don't know how to subscribe to podcasts, it, like show them. Yeah, like actually take the phone out of their hand and like make them unlock it maybe. But find the podcast app, type in Sandbox Cooperative, hit the subscribe button. Before you know it, they'll be hooked. Yeah, you know, and I, I've done that a, more than a few times. And it's it's really actually kind of funny because I, I'll, I'll, I'll do that and then they really do show other people how to do it and, and talk about the podcast. And it's been a lot of fun to see how it spreads. And they discover other podcasts, which you know, then they're addicted and it's maybe they're beyond help at that point. Yeah, we, we apologize for that. <laughs> for that. <laughs> but the main reason we want uh, you to, to share this is that, you know, we think these conversations can be helpful. Uh, and if they're helpful for you, maybe share them with others. And if they are helpful for other people, we just don't want them to miss out. Exactly, exactly. But for today, we are excited to introduce you to Vince Anderson. Uh, every Monday night for decades, the Reverend Vince Anderson and his Love Choir. You know what? I I want to play in a band called the Love Choir. Y are you kidding me? I mean, I can't. It's already taken. But it's, yeah, well, and that, so it would be <laughs> awkward. But yeah, Vince Anderson and his Love Choir. They've had this standing gig currently at the Union Pool in Brooklyn, New York, and he shares a brand of music that he calls Dirty Gospel. It's a raw, earthy style of gospel music. And that's right. You, I mean, you heard me right. It's gospel music in a bar. And it's great. I, I would love to see that show. But, you know, we didn't have the chance when we were out there and, and I haven't been there yet, but I did get a chance to see Vince play live earlier this mm. summer. And I got to tell you, if you ever get the chance to see him, I I highly recommend it. We'll share some some YouTube videos in the show notes, but it is yeah. great. He's just looking awesome. at just looking at those YouTube videos, he's just, I mean, he's go, he, he's leaving it all on the stage, man. Yeah. No, it's so good. I, I Definitely going to go back and, and see him. But over the years, he's grown a community with this gig. He's being asked to perform weddings and funerals and baptisms for the people who gather at the bar. Vince has been featured on NPR. He's collaborated with the Nine Beats Collective that, that we had as a part of our episodes 38 and 39. And he also shares his music with other faith communities uh, all over New York City. Yeah, we had just a great conversation with Vince. Uh, we were hanging out in his backyard in Brooklyn, um, and we can't wait to share that conversation with you now. So welcome to episode 56, Dirty Gospel with Vince Anderson.
my band, which is called Reverend Vince Anderson and the Love Choir. Um, we're celebrating this this year, 20 years of doing a weekly show. That's Monday nights in at, New York City yeah. every Monday night. Yeah. yeah. So we've been doing that for 20 years, without interruption. Wow. Yeah. Um, um, different different venues. The one we've been at now is we've been there for eight years. Cool. Um, and uh, so it's a and and you know and that that is my longest running thing i mean kind of um a little bit of my a little bit of my story was that i came to new york 27 years ago 26 well, no, 25 years ago really to go to go to seminary hmm. um and uh went to union theological seminary um and uh once i got there i started feeling like maybe i wasn't supposed to be there <laughs> um part of it was that that I really had a feeling like I was going to be a great reformer in the church, and I really wanted a church of, um, you know, outcast and my my people, my people, mm-hmm. you know, um, and uh, and I was actually raised Lutheran, um, and then uh, kind of went into seminary independently, um, but started getting this feeling like maybe something was happening that I wasn't supposed to be doing that uh, mm-hmm. once I got there, um, and part of it was that I saw the. I saw that the future of the church looked like it was being pretty well taken care of. You know, I saw like other people in seminary mm-hmm. that had similar passions to mine of, of making a, a church for everybody. Um, and, uh, and then also my artist side was kind of reborn once I got to New York. Funny how that yeah. happens, you know, but with yeah. the great cultural life of New York City, all of those things that I'd kind of maybe suppressed a little bit came roaring back, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and finally, not, not, you know, it, it, it ended with me actually feeling like I, f- I don't claim to hear the word of, you know, the actual voice of God very often, <laughs> but in this case, like it, it was, it was that kind of thing that, that I felt very distinctly, like it was on Epiphany Sunday of all things, <laughs> and, and and God said like, you got to get out of here, like this, I brought you here, this is, I brought you here. Mm-hmm. In the big sense of the word, I didn't bring you, you know, this almost kind of like this was the only way I could get you here. Right. You know, and you had to kind of go through this path to get there. So on that day, Epiphany, like I drew up the papers and left, <laughs> left seminary without having any idea where, what I was going to do, where <laughs> I was going to go. Spent all my money to, from Cal, to move from Denver to, you know, from California to Denver to, to, to finally New York City to go to seminary. <laughs> and now I'm like faced with, you got to be out of university housing in a week. <laughs> you know, and it's like, what am I going to do now? That kind of thing, yeah. and 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 that led to me um, kind of doing two things. One, if I had a career at this point, it it was a music, being a music director in a church. I took my first job when I was twelve um, at a music at a church in in California, and kind of had done that. Mm-hmm. You know, hmm. so first thing I did was like, well, I got to find a church job. You know, and then the other thing then. Uh, was that a couple of guys in the seminary were like, you should really be playing in clubs. It's like, well, I'd never really done that before. Mm-hmm. Wasn't adverse to it, but it wasn't mm-hmm. what I'd done. And, and uh, it got me a gig um, at a club in the East Village um, and started doing these weekly shows. And um, short part of the story, just to kind of end it and keep it, keep it tight, was that uh, um, one day I was doing these these weekly shows and I walk in and, and really I, I, I perform gospel music at these shows because that's mm-hmm. what I knew how to do you know and um, 
one day I walk in, the, you know, the New York chalkboard that's outside of every bar, you know, tells you what's going on, drink specials, what's happening. Um, and it said, Reverend Vince Anderson, Reverend in quotes, mm-hmm. tonight, Reverend mm-hmm. Vince Anderson. So, you know, and he didn't know my story. He didn't know where I'd come from. And, and at that point, I was kind of pissed off at God. Mm. You know, I was a little bit like, you brought me 2,000 what, whatever miles and then tell me to, like, like what the hell? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> really, like, like, <laughs> like um, and, uh, but it kind of stuck. And pretty soon, like, people started calling me Reverend Vince. And then this little community that was formed at these, at these shows started asking me if I would like baptize their kids and bury their dead and marry them and you know <laughs> do the things that like you know so I kind of became like the village priest of the of this kind of lower east side artist community huh. um, and you know in retrospect it kind of seemed like like oh God's, God isn't through with this this call isn't done hmm. you know in fact this call isn't done and um that this is what my calling is and this mm. is the yeah. you know it, it it felt in a way like the people that that i was ministering with i didn't even know i was ministering i was just mm-hmm. doing my thing surviving you know and they chose me out call, they called me out and mm. said you're our pastor you know without any real intent on my end <laughs> you know <laughs> like so, so very much a reluctant you know, I mean, I was while, while they were drawing me in, I was running away, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and um, and that so that that kind of led to 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 me doing this the show weekly, which started as a performance thing, but then started ended up like like no, a lot of people were like, this is church for us, mm-hmm. you know, like it's as close as we're, it's close as we're gonna get, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. and this is church, and yeah. there's something about coming every week. Hearing, hearing kind of the same songs that feels, you know, it fulfills the ritual of a church, mm-hmm. you know, and what and and that developed into the kind of music, the genre that I play, which I, which I deemed dirty gospel, which <laughs> which, which I love by the way. That's thanks. Fantastic. I mean, and, and 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 the thing the thing with that is that it's like two two. It's both my my music and my theology because the yeah. dirty gospel meaning like, I mean that's where gospel comes from. It comes from mm-hmm. the mud of the Mississippi. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. gospel, as we know, it grew out of blues. People think it's the other way around. But actually, gospel grew out of blues. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it comes from the Delta. It comes from, you know, from Chicago to New Orleans, mm-hmm. Memphis in between. Like, and the, and the, so that's where this, that's my passion for the, my music. That, you know, that dirty gospel. And it's kind of reclaiming it musically as like this is a bluesy, earthy thing. And then uh, theologically, it's the same thing. Because then it becomes... You know, like bringing bringing the gospel, bringing the truth back down to the mud, you know, mm. where it's supposed to be in the first place. I mean, we just elevate theology like up in the heavens and relegate it up there or, or even worse in the heavens to the mind <laughs> or to the brain <laughs> where it just becomes an intellectual exercise. So this is a way to kind of like, no, I mean, theology and God, the spiritual life really is born from the mud. And born yeah. from mm-hmm. our kind of earthiness, our humanity, you know, like we, th- this is where we come from, yeah. you know. Yeah. So I mean, it's in a sense. I mean, it's just exactly what you 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 had the idea of being a reformer for the church, and isn't that kind of what you're doing? Well, it? yeah. In a sense, I mean, it was interesting. Then, then, like, 
like fast forward then a then a few years like i kind of did this thing still not thinking i was in the church at all right. <laughs> like i was very outside doing something that that i didn't think would it didn't even cross my mind that that the church might be interested in this mm-hmm. you know and at some point like they did at some point they're like wait a minute you're <laughs> doing something really interesting and then that kind of came full circle and i started being asked to to like do to bring my experience back into the church and by that time i think i was ready to say okay let's give it a shot you know so i work with a a couple of different communities now um uh one my main one being bushwick abbey which is an episcopal church just right down the street here okay um the episcopals yeah wow yeah um and uh and i am the director of arts ministry there um, and it's a it's a new it's a new church that's actually being hosted by uh, Iglesia de Santa Cruz, which is a Spanish speaking congregation. So it's kind of the the opposite of of what you see a lot in the church, where like you know um, the white church <laughs> hosts the Spanish speaking congregation. You know, and here it's the complete opposite. Um, so we're in a unique place, I think, to like you know to be partners there. And to do ministry in a gentrifying neighborhood um, that we, you know, it's kind of like, oh, we were kind of put here by accident, but here we are. And like we two congregations trying to come up with a mission, a shared mission and vision, um, you know, and uh, so any, yeah, so anyhow, there I'm, I'm director of arts ministry, which includes that I write all the liturgical music, um, including I just completed a three year project of setting the book of Psalms to music. Okay, um, cool. And, and is, uh, is that out of, and you're setting the book of, you're setting Psalms to music, are you doing that in, in dirty gospel kind of yeah. vibe? I mean, um, doing my own, I, I wouldn't call them translations, but. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Interpretation of some. Uh, yeah. Lyricizations. Okay. Like, like if that's even a word. I mean, <laughs> we'll I don't know if it, it is, we'll go with it. Yeah, but, <laughs> but that idea that, that, that like, I mean, a couple of things. One, kind of returning them to their lyrical form because, I mean, face it, once you take them out of Hebrew, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. all the poetry is really lost, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of returning them back to songs, you know? And so coming up with a chorus, coming up with a refrain, coming up with, with verses, you know, and that kind of thing. But also, like, putting them in some kind of context. You know, we, the, we don't sing songs to mountains anymore, right. you know? Like in the Psalms, there's a lot. There's a lot of singing, you know, singing about Zion. Mm-hmm. We don't, we don't do that, you know. So, so part of it is like, in a, and and they were written with a context in a context of a community. Mm-hmm. So, my job in a lot of ways was like, what is our Zion? Mm. You know, what is our mountain that we're singing to? What, what are our oppressors that we're singing to? Are we the oppressor? Well, yeah, in some case we are. You know, mm-hmm. so, so that was part of it too. Was like taking these psalms and being like all right maybe the maybe the group that there's that the people of israel are singing about that we are actually that group mm. um and taking that kind of responsibility yeah. for yeah. them and so there's a lot of that in that project um wow. you know and it also feels like i spent three years on it but now just like you know the story of the golden gate bridge like once they paint it they got to start painting it again mm-hmm. it kind of feels like i could i could start up again Hmm. Um, and do it all over again. 
Interesting. You know, and that that's been a really great project to kind of I mean, for me, it's a real full circle thing, you know, to to leave the church um, and, f- y- y- in a real sense, leave the church and find my way. Mm-hmm. Like, I found my way. You know, I found, and part of it was that I found my way by by not worrying about the church, like, leaving it and saying, mm-hmm. like, I want to be with the people that I wanted the church to be with in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know, like... Mm-hmm. I'm just going to be with my people. <laughs> and I did. Defaulted to that. And then, you know, they and God did the rest. Mm-hmm. Kind of, and, you know, and then slowly kind of came full circle. And I brought all that experience back into the church, um, you know, and used that, that kind of, that earthiness, mm. you know, the, um, the, the realness of bringing it back and, and, cre- and putting that into a into a more formal worship setting. Can you can you say more about like the experience of kind of deciding, and and maybe even the feeling and emotion of like I have to leave this thing and I, it's going to do what it's going to do and I I trust that it's going to be where it needs to be. But of kind of saying like I, I I shouldn't be at seminary. I shouldn't be here and and I have to be where I have to be. Yeah. Because I think it's really easy to get caught up in the fear of what happens if I don't or, you know, am I making the right decision or can you just say a little bit more about your experience there? Um, well, I think for me, I mean, it, it was like, um, I I remember at one point, like when I was really struggling, um, and, uh, didn't really know what was going on, what's happening, you know, um, I remember like looking at the walls of Union, like lo- looking at these little granite walls in the courtyard and like saying, I will conquer you, like that kind of thing. Like, um, and then something changed that I was like, well, I can't conquer that. <laughs> like, <laughs> and wh- why do I even want to? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, why, why do I even want to like destroy anything here? You know, so it was kind of a like very path of least resistance. Mm kind of thing of of giving in to whatever it was that was happening within me you know and it developed into a real physical I mean there were some real physical things about that anxiety of being there you know knowing that that wasn't where I was supposed to be mm-hmm. um, you know the, I mean the other the other part of it is, is I had n- no clue of where I was supposed to be mm-hmm. you know so it wasn't a it wasn't a deciding of of walking into something or leaving something and walking, you know, deciding on something else. It was it was a real like completely leaving something and walking into the void yeah. of not knowing what that something is. And I've I've heard it put it like you first you're called away from something before you're called to something. Yeah. And you were called away clearly, but but what you were called to is sometimes that happens on its own time. Too. Yeah. There's there's this great song that I that I sing. Um, and I can't remember who it's by now. I'll have to like I put these songs in my repertoire and then um oh it's by Dan Byrne a folk folk oh, singer yeah, Dan yeah. Byrne. um and it's uh the song called God said no hmm. you know and and like the the idea of the song was like like you know I think the opening line is um I met God on the edge of town where the wind meets the stillness the stillness meets you know so now I asked God I said do one thing for me um send me to Seattle let me see Kurt Cobain. I'm going to take away his guns. I'm going to take away his his bullets. 
talk to them, tell them that we love them, you know, but then God said no. Mm. Um, and it's kind of like, like you can't, you, you can't like control, <laughs> you can't control what's ahead of you. You can't, and, and, and so much so that you can't go back in time and control that, yeah. you know, as much as we would like to, yeah. like we, um, and, and this kind of like the, the via negativa almost of God saying no opens up almost more possibilities than God saying yes. Mm. Um, you know, and, and it was also, I mean, you know, the, the process of kind of discerning to go to seminary was exactly that. It was like this discernment process, weighing my options and listening to the spirits, you know, and weighing the, and, and that kind of thing. And it was a lengthy process of like, like, well, I feel called. Okay, I'll do, you know, do all that. But then the actual, like, get out of here was not a discernment process. It was like, done. You, like, within 24 hours, I had signed the papers. Sure. You know, wow. it, you know, it wasn't. And and so I think, um, you know, what kind of spot was on? I mean, you know, certain things helped. I mean, one thing, I went to to Riverside Church that day on Epiphany Sunday. I'd never been to Riverside Church. It was my backyard. You know. Union Theologicals next door to it. Mm-hmm. I go in. Um, Pastor James, Doctor James Forbes is preaching, um, and the sermon was on the mystery of Christian vocation. I kid you not. You know, it's like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Like the mystery of Christian vocation, and how he talked about the myth of the calling being only for the ordained ministry. Mm-hmm. That really, like, like the way the church is set up, everyone is called yeah. in, into something into something and and like everyone has to go through that discernment process of finding you know where they are you know and then i went up to take communion um and and for and i just so happened that dr forbes had the host for me when i went up and and he looked at me he he never met me he didn't know who i was looked at me with 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 you know with the bread in his hand and said whatever you're going through brother go through it Mm. god's on the other side and that was like just that little bit of encouragement, you know, that like, so wait, wait a minute, somebody else knows, you know, um, I think so often, like we, you know, humans are all we have of the reflection of God on earth. <laughs> so we need, we need that human face to, to echo the mystery of what we, what, you know, to to confirm somehow what we what we're feeling, mm-hmm. you know, um, and to me that's really what it is, you know, like like it's you know so we've so detached it from people. Oh, we've completely Made detached it, it. I mean, an intellectual idea, a uh, rubric, and a book of liturgy, prayer, whatever. Yeah, and. Um, be damned if it's people <laughs> yeah i mean that, you know i mean that's that's the thing i mean for me like you know like i mean now in my in my spiritual life like um you know like i don't really care if there's a god or not <laughs> i don't you know i don't like i don't need to prove that i don't need mm-hmm. you know like and to be honest on you know I mean, Tuesdays, I'm usually an atheist. Wednesday, maybe. <laughs> you know, like, there, there's, there are certain days where I'm just like, 
come on. There's none of it, you know, and, and other days I'm able to entertain the mystery. But I think being a Christian is just that, being able to entertain the mystery. Hmm. Um, and and for me, in so many ways now, it's like my whole path has brought me to a thing of being where, where how I interpret faith now, interpret Christianity, um, is that, okay, you, you, you know, you y'all know we made this up right like <laughs> we we cre- we created this you know we we told these stories um and we made them we wrote the bible we did all this um it was in response to some mystery that we we couldn't understand so all religion is is our interpretation of that mystery hmm. our collective interpretation of that mystery you know so what it is what faith is is actually a story about something that we collectively experienced you know um and so to me it's not so much about like do i believe do i believe in that story or not to me it's more do i choose to enter into that story or not and who are you entering into the story with what's that and 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 who are you you entering yeah exactly you know like like because for it to be and, and because and, and and here's here's the part I left out. I mean, it's something that we've created, but then, so to me, like religion is a humanities is one of the great humanities. You know, the difference in it is that it's a it's a piece of art that I can choose to live in. Mm. Um, you know, it's like I can create a song. It's hard for me to live in that song. You know, I can for the moment the song exists. Um, but but religion, I can. Ch- we've created this. As in response to the mystery, and then we can choose to actually live and breathe in that work of art. Um, and so, so I think for me, then, then it really becomes about the people around me, and and you know, like how we cre- how we respond to the mystery. That that way, it's not about like, well, I, I'm a Christian and you're not. Well, who cares? I mean, it's we all have our creative way to respond to the things that we can't figure out. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what bond, that's what really bonds us together. You know, like I choose to to go in this story. I find meaning in this story. I find meaning in the in the in the central myth of Christianity. You know, I love that story. I love that. Like, like to me, the 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 basic crux of the story is that God chose to be human, not the other way around. You know, I think for so many kind of spiritualities, we find ourselves that, and and to to be honest, Christianity's become that. Mm-hmm. Christianity's turned that central myth around, and become like, well, we want to be more holy. You know, take leave our humanity. Well, that's not the myth, though. That's not the story. The story is the exact opposite of that. The story is that that God said, no, I want to I want to put on the fleshy suit. You know <laughs> that 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 you know God incarnate yeah. that. The divinity wanted to to wear this and be with us, Emmanuel. You know, it's central to our story, and here we spend so much time escaping that central story, saying, "Well, I got to be more perfect. I got to be more holy. I got to be more sanctified." That's bullshit. That's really <laughs> not what it's about, you know. And to me, then what what that kind of reverse of Christianity of the center of the what I would say the denial of the central myth of Christianity has led to is to a very anti-body, a very anti-woman, anti-gay mm-hmm. Christianity. And that's why, because we've completely denied ourselves the central myth. 
we've completely turned our backs on that myth that no, it's not about humanity becoming more holy or more godlike. It's about God <laughs> becoming more human. And and finding God, finding God in the humanity, because that's where God is. I mean, the story tells us that. Mm-hmm. Like, and you know, I don't know. I don't know where we where we lost it. You know, somewhere, yeah. you know, somewhere along the line, we took a wrong turn and turned that story on its head, mm-hmm. um, and followed the inverse of of the of the story. You know, um, and for me. Like, like for Christianity, and I'm not interested in Christianity surviving. Like, yeah, I'm I'm interested in humanity surviving. <laughs> like, that's what I want. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I think we need stories to help us. So, in that sense, I don't want that story eradicated. You know, just as I don't want any story told by humanity eradicated. You know, we need all the stories we can get. Yeah. yeah. So how does that influence then your music and your production of, of art and those sorts of things? Well, I mean, I think then then it becomes um, telling a story, you know? It becomes like that that even that all art then becomes somewhat, per, you know, somewhat personal in that sense of I'm going to tell my story as I, you know, as I, interp- as I interpret it. You know, um, and I'll tell the story of the people of Israel as I interpret it. You know, like I'll tell the story of Christianity as I interpret it. I'll tell the story of these psalms as I interpret it. And 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 I think then, for me, um, then I mean I'm interested in the stories that reflect the truth, and that's why I, I still call myself a gospel musician. I think. Because gospel, you know, the word is truth, right? So, like, the, those songs of truth are are what's important to me, um, and and it's big truth and small truth, you know. So for me, like, I think I think every worship should have a breakup song in it, because what's more truthful than a breakup song? I mean, that's really like what's more truthful than saying, "I am brokenhearted." Like I, I have been left behind. Like someone ch- chose to leave what we had. Like that is, to me, the most honest and most truthful you can get, you know. And so, and when you start doing that, then, um, you know, my passion is, like, then in a worship set, one of my passions in a worship setting, is that by introducing breakup songs, people start realizing, because faith, faith is a series of breakups. You know, faith is a series of, you know, when I was a child, I thought as a child, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Faith at its very essence is breaking up with beliefs that you carried before that no longer work for you to get in communion with one another and God. So you break up with those ideas, you know? And you break up with your beliefs, and you find new ones, you know. And so, and and I think that that process leads to a very open faith, because once you're willing to break up with what you once held sacred, um, it provides a lot of fertile ground for other people to come in. 
and the songs that we sing and the sermons that we preach and whatever it is seems to uh, spend a lot more time on the discovery of the new thing rather than the uh, lamenting and the breaking off of the old. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, you know, and there's a, there's a certain balance there. I mean, I think um, the, I mean, lament needs to lead to hope or else it's not really worth anything. I mean, lament needs to lead to, to the new way. You know, um, but you've got to have, you've got to, um, unless you've properly lamented the old way, you're just going to keep returning to it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just, just like in a relationship. I mean, unless you've properly broken up, you know, and really like went through the pain, you know, you're going to keep drunk dial on that person you know like that's i mean that's just the truth like so is there a song that you have called drunk dial in jesus i, I don't know that would be a good one yeah <laughs> um you know but 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 you know but you know you know what i'm saying yeah, i mean that's no, this this absolutely. idea and you know and and the same goes with anything else i mean i think we're in a process right now of lament in this country and lament in our mm. culture that that people are like, well, we need to move forward. Well, no, we need to lament properly and atone for the sins that got us to this place. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. like if we don't actually like, um, you know, reconcile, and it's not even reconciled because I'm not completely convinced that we were, that there's any read to reconcile. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not <laughs> completely mm -hmm. convinced that we, that we ever reconciled to begin with. So <laughs> right, right. it's not reconciliation, it's conciliation. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I think this process of the breakup song really is like, okay, force, what does that mean? Like, what does that mean? Like, and, and singing songs that do that. And the Psalms are great for that, actually. The Psalms are, are great because, yeah. because um, you know, the, the thing that I learned about the Psalms, well, a couple things, but one, one, one thing specifically is that um, the, the Psalms are, if you try to make a, systematic theology of the psalms good good luck you know because just try to systemize the theology of one psalm first and mm -hmm. you can't you can't do it because even the emotions in one psalm you know they're it's so insane yeah, psalm i mean to alone yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah i mean they so many of the psalms go from like god is great i hate you what have you done i D destroy my neighbor but love those you know it's like whoa, whoa what is happening here like and it's almost like free association just like letting it all out on the page you know and and i think i think we don't do that enough anymore in the church we don't let it all out we just mm. kind of just you know like you know, that's what we do we just you know and it's like no it's about just com a complete what's the kenosis the, the empty you know emptying like this yeah. emptying, just, you know. Um, and there's still the desire to be filled, you know. I mean, I think one of the problems with, with, the, with the progressive church right now, if that even exists, who knows, like whatever that is, is that so often it's, it is about the no, like what we say no to, you know. And that's, that's not a great, it's not a great place to be. You know, it's an important place to be, mm -hmm. you know, but there needs to be some idea of what are we moving, what are, what are we moving towards, you know, yeah. what are... We can de deconstruct all we want. Yeah. And, and, it can, and it can be important and maybe even uh, 
crucial that we do so. Yeah. But what are we building in its place? Well, or or or, or what's more importantly, like what I think I think really like for me, it's not so much about building. It's like that you destroy what's around so you can finally see what there really is. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and realize that what you were, you know, what you were looking for all along was that you you know you built a bunch of shit on top of what you were looking for mm-hmm. <laughs> and once you peel it away then you find it there's um, the gold there's the nugget there's yeah there's the you know there's yeah. the thing there's the stuff and you yeah. find it all and and you know for me kind of in a in a post christian supremacy thing is that you know that nugget isn't, a, isn't exclusively in a christianity isn't it's mm-hmm. you know it's mm-hmm. It's ours. It's our human pearls, our, our human treasure mm-hmm. that we need to find, you know. And then, then, we, then we, then we tell our specific stories from that. But I think finding that root again, yeah, you know, like, and isn't that when? I mean, to me, evangelism. I mean, the word means root, right? So evangelism shouldn't be about like, you know, finding building something that, that that people want we already have what we want <laughs> mm-hmm. like we just um we just got to make sure it's restored to us and restored to those that has that has been taken away from or been built upon you know it's been convoluted so it's like ev- evangelism is the is the return to to the goodness i mean the return to the to what is already all good about this human experiment you know, um, mm-hmm. and all evangelism should do that. Like, if it doesn't do that, then it's not really. If it doesn't get back to the core, our core, our core center as human beings, then as, to me, it's worthless. Right, <laughs> like, right. like it, it's just, it's just not. You know, it's worthless. Right. Yeah. I'm wanting to hear some music, I, but yeah. I, I, I don't want to miss an opportunity to ask uh, some other questions. So. What else should we know? I mean that. I feel pretty good about that. <laughs> I, can, I can. We can certainly go in and, and yeah, and and play some play some songs. Kind of in a lot of ways, my my faith statement because um, it's, it's actually called "Fallen from the Fallen from the Fray," um, and for me, it is all about like that we're constantly, you know, we're constantly falling from the fray. I mean, like I said earlier, like the, the, the breakup song, the idea of that year, that we're kind of constantly like, either for good or for bad, falling, you know, from things. Um, and so this, uh, I once was eyes to the blind I once was feet to the lame once was father to the poor and the needy, but now I'm driving. I drive away and I see oh wealthy to the earth. Yeah. Where they're looking for the treasures that she hides. And I drive along, I drill my soul. Scared to death what I might find Say I feel like Judas I got no one to betray Say I feel like Jesus 
nobody let me down that way Even Mary Magdalene at that empty grave I'm just a follower falling from the fray I'm just a follower I was struck by what Dr. James Forbes said to Vince. Whatever you're going through, brother, go through it. He heard this truth at a a very difficult time in his life, and maybe it's something you need to hear right now. Whatever you're going through, go through it. Way too often, we seem to think that we know what the narrative is, the way things are going to go, the way it'll all play out. Then we end up knee-deep in the struggle, the pain, and the messiness of life. And strangely enough, that's precisely where we are met with the mystery of the divine. It's counterintuitive, but that's the dirty gospel. It's a word of truth and new life in the middle of the mess. It's beauty in brokenness. As Vince said, entertaining the mystery doesn't require that we become more holy or or more divine or more perfect or, or more anything. It is the radical concept that the divine becomes more human and joins us in the dirt. You know I believe Sweet hereafter And life on The other side But I also believe We got a divine little something To bring heaven down To this life Today I can say That I'm truly blessed To feel like the holy Kingdom is now I'm gonna enjoy heaven right now I'm not gonna wait till I die Don't have to die to get a hell
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. Man, that was just a great conversation. I It was so much fun to go back to his backyard and just, just hear the sounds of the city around us and then uh, just learn from Vince again. Absolutely. It was a great time. And again, if you currently live in New York or you're going to be visiting anytime soon, be sure to check out Vince on Monday nights at the Union Pool in Brooklyn. Yeah, I'm making plans. And if you do, actually, if you do happen to visit him, drop us, a, drop us a line and just tell us about it. Yeah, but for now, if you want to stay up to date with all the things that are going on in the Sandbox, follow us on Facebook and Twitter or sign up for our mailing list at sandboxcooperative.com. And whether you are dropping us a note and about seeing Vince in concert or just checking in to say hi, we'd love to hear from you. We are working hard to build this virtual community, and it's a lot more fun if you are a part of it. So let us know what you think about the podcast, and if you'd like, rate and review us on iTunes and join in the conversation. And as we said at the outset, be sure to share this podcast with someone who might like it, because there's always more room in the sandbox. Until next time, we'll see ya. Bye. Please watch your step as you exit the sandbox.